Greetings folk, my name is Nick Engel, and today I'm going to be reading out of a biography of a missionary hero of mine, James Hudson Taylor. This biography is written by, I think it's his son, together with the son's wife, Dr. and Mrs. Howard Taylor. And I'm going to be reading on page 44 in that biography. I have podcasted in episode J7, 8, and 9 on the 11th of May about Hudson Taylor previously. So you can, uh, you're welcome to check those out as well. I'm reading on page 44, halfway down. Whatever it may have been in summer towards the close of November when Hudson Taylor made it his home, Drainside must have seemed dreary enough and the cottage far from attractive. To add to the discomforts of the situation, he was boarding himself, which meant that he lived upon next to nothing. He bought his meager supplies as he returned from the surgery where he was working and rarely sat down to a proper meal. His walks were taken alone across the waste unlighted region on the outskirts of the town. That's quite something. So he lived at a place called Drainside, which <laughs> is enough to uh, frighten anyone away. His evenings were solitary beside the little fire in his otherwise cheerless room, and his Sundays were spent by himself but for the morning meetings and long hours of work in his district or among the crowds that frequented the Humber Dock. More than this, he was at close quarters with poverty and suffering. Visiting in such neighborhoods, he had been accustomed to it for a few hours at a time, but this was very different. He had cast in his lot with those who needed all the help and comfort he could bring. This gave new purpose to his life and taught him some of its most precious lessons. I soon found that I could live upon very much less than I had previously thought possible. Butter, milk and other luxuries I ceased to use and found that by living mainly on oatmeal and rice with occasional variations, a very small sum was sufficient for my needs. In this way I had more than two-thirds of my income available for other purposes. And my experience was that the less I spent on myself and the more I gave to others, the fuller of happiness and blessing did my soul become. For the Lord is no man's debtor, and there in his solitude Hudson Taylor was learning Something of what he can be to the soul that leaves all for him. I remember Jim Elliot's words. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. In these days of easygoing Christianity, it is not well to remind ourselves that it really does cost 
to be a man or woman God can use. One cannot obtain a Christ-like character for nothing. One cannot do a Christ-like work save at great price. And is there not a sense in which even Christ himself is to be one? It is easy to pray a little, help a little, love a little, but the missionary apostle meant more than this when he said, I count all things but lost, loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but refuse, that I may win Christ. Philippians 3 verse 8. Much prayer had been going up for China, and countless hearts had been stirred more or less deeply for its evangelization. When disappointment came, an unexpected failure, however, prayer meetings dwindled to nothing. Would-be missionaries turned aside to other callings. Contributions dropped off only here and there in his own training schools were those the Lord could count upon. And in a quiet lodging at Drainside was such a man. With all his youth and limitations, Hudson Taylor desired supremely a Christ-like character and life. As test after test came that might have been avoided, he chose the pathway of self-emptying and the cross. Philippians 2 speaks of the self-emptying, the kenosis of Jesus. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every tongue should confess, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's read on. Hudson Taylor was in an attitude that did not hinder blessing. Adversaries there certainly were to oppose his progress at this time. He was entering upon one of the most fruitful periods of his life, rich in blessing for himself and others. Is it any wonder that the tempter was at hand? He was alone, hungry for love and sympathy, living a life of self-denial, hard for a lad to bear. It was just the opportunity for the devil and he was permitted for a while to do his worst, that even that might be overruled for good. It was just at this juncture when he had been a few weeks at Drainside that, and was feeling his position keenly that the dreaded blow fell. Seeing that nothing could dissuade her friend from his missionary purpose, the young music teacher made it plain at last that she was not prepared to go to China. Okay, so we left out the part 
where Hudson Taylor had fallen in love with a young music teacher and for two years had cherished and loved this young lady. And he'd shared his vision about his missionary purpose with her and now this is her response. So she made it plain at last that she was not prepared to go to China. Her father would not hear of it nor did she feel herself fitted for such a life. This could mean but one thing and for him the two years dream was over. It was not only an overwhelming sorrow, it was a tremendous test of faith. The tempter did everything in his power to call in question the love and faithfulness of God. Only break down his trust, make him give up the struggle now, and the usefulness of his afterlife would be marred. Sunday morning came, December 14th. It was cold and cheerless in the little room at Drainside. The lad was benumbed with sorrow, for instead of turning to the Lord for comfort, he kept it to himself and nursed his grief. He did not want to pray. The trouble had come in between his soul and God. He could not, would not go as usual to the morning meeting. He was too full of bitter questionings and pain. Then came the insidious suggestion. Is it worthwhile? Why should you go to China? Why toil and suffer all your life for an ideal of duty? Give it up now while you can yet win her. Earn a proper living like everybody else and serve the Lord at home. For you can win her yet. Writing to his sister, he said, Satan seemed to come in as a flood and I was forced to cry, Save Lord, I perish. Still Satan suggested, you never used to be tried as you have been lately. You cannot be in the right path or God would help and bless you more and so on. Until I felt inclined to give it all up. I felt no desire to go to the meeting. But thank God the way of duty is the way of safety. I went to the meeting after all, as miserable as could be but did not come away so. One hymn quite cut me to the heart. I was thankful that prayer followed, for I could not keep back my tears. But the load was lighter. In the afternoon, as I was sitting alone in the surgery, I began to reflect on the love of God, His goodness and my return. The number of blessings he has granted me and how small my trials are compared with those some are called to endure. He thoroughly softened and humbled me. His love melted my icy, frost-bound soul and sincerely did I pray for pardon for my ungrateful conduct. Yes, he was humbled. He has humbled me and shown me what I was, revealing himself as a present, a very present help in time of trouble. And though he does not deprive me of feeling in my trial, he enables me to sing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I can thank him for all, even the most painful experiences of the past, and trust him without fear for all that is 
to come. A new tone was perceptible in his letters now. They were less introspective from this time onward and more full of missionary purpose. China came to the front again in all his thinking. I cannot tell, I cannot describe how I long to be a missionary, to carry the glad tidings to poor perishing sinners, he wrote to his mother. For this I could give up everything, every idol, however dear. I feel as if I could not live if something is not done for China. This was no mere emotion. It was not that he had taken up missionary work as a congenial branch of Christian activity, but that the need of the perishing in heathen lands, the need and longing of the heart of Christ, them also I must bring, had gripped him and held him fast. He believed that the heathen are perishing and that without a knowledge of the one and only Savior, they must be eternally lost. He believed that it was in view of this and because of his infinite love that God had given his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And these convictions pledged him to the only life possible in view of such stupendous facts, a life wholly given to making that great redemption known, especially to those who had never heard. Yet much as he longed to go, and go at once, there were considerations that held him back. To me it was a very grave matter, he wrote of that winter, to contemplate going out to China, far from all human aid, there to depend upon the living God alone for protection, supplies and help of every kind. I felt that one's spiritual muscles required strengthening for such an undertaking. There was no doubt that if faith did not fail, God would not fail. But what if one's faith should prove insufficient? It had not at that time learned, I had not at that time learned that even if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, as he cannot deny himself. It was consequently a very serious question to my mind, not whether he was faithful, but whether I had strong enough faith to warrant my embarking in the enterprise set before me. When I get out to China, I thought to myself, I shall have no claim on anyone for anything. My only claim will be on God. How important to learn before leaving England to move man through God by prayer alone. He knew that faith was the one power that could remove mountains, conquer every difficulty, and accomplish the impossible. But had he the right kind of faith, could he stand alone in China? Much as he longed to be a missionary, would such faith as he possessed be sufficient to carry him through all that must be faced. He realized that the faith he longed for was a gift of God. 
and that it might grow exceedingly. But for growth, exercise was needed. An exercise of faith was obviously impossible apart from trial. Then welcome trial. Welcome anything that would increase and strengthen this precious gift. Proving to his own heart at any rate that he had faith of the sort that would really stand and grow. In taking this attitude before the Lord, Hudson Taylor was wholly earnest and sincere. He was bringing all the tithes into the storehouse, a most important consideration. Living a life that made it possible for him to exercise faith to which God could respond in blessing. In a word, there was no hindrance in himself to the answer to his prayers and experiences followed that have been made an encouragement to thousands the world over. The story, though well known, will bear repetition, illustrating as it does the only principle of growth in spiritual things, from faith to faith. The law reiterated by our Lord Himself, He that hath to him shall be given. To learn before leaving England to move man through God by prayer alone. This and nothing less was the object Hudson Taylor had before him now, and it was not long before he came to see a simple, natural way of practicing this lesson. I think we'll stop there and we'll go to that lesson in the next episode. God bless you folk and thank you for listening. Let's pray a moment. Father, I thank you for your love. Thank you for this precious story of this young man of great faith and sincerity and heart and passion for you and a heart for the lost. Lord, give us that same heart. Give me that same heart, Lord. Let your emotions flow. So let us feel the way that you feel about you, about each other, about the lost, about the church. Thank you. You loved us so much that you gave your life, that you shed your blood. Lord, you died for us. The least we can do is to live for you. And if necessary, die for you. Holy Spirit, empower us. Inspire us. Lead us by your Spirit. We give ourselves to you. We love you, Lord. We receive your love in Jesus' name. Amen.